from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. We all know that giving to people in need is an important thing to do, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. When we are short on time or money or both, it's hard to give those things away. But today's podcast is going to turn our concept of giving completely on its head. We'll look at the verses in the book of Exodus where God commands the Israelites to contribute to his purposes, and we'll discover a hidden message in the original Hebrew that will change your perspective on giving and your capacity to receive. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Truma, which means contribution, and it covers Exodus 25.1 through 27.19. In this week's Parsha, God instructs the Israelites to build him a sanctuary so that he can dwell among them. He gives them the instructions for how to construct the tabernacle, known in Hebrew as the Mishkan. The Mishkan, the tabernacle, was a portable temple that could be transported as needed while the people traveled in the desert. The verses that I want to explore with you today are the first two verses of the Parsha, Exodus chapter 25, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read them to you now. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. In these verses, God directed Moses to collect contributions from the Israelites for the purpose of building a tabernacle. At first glance, this directive seems pretty straightforward. But when we look at these verses in Hebrew, the original language of the Bible, we see that God's instruction isn't as clear as we may have thought it was. When we translate the Hebrew verses literally, this is what we read. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to take for me an offering. Did you catch that? Not give me an offering or contribute an offering, but rather in Hebrew, the original language, the verse says, take for me an offering. The word take seems like the wrong word for a verse about giving. But as we know, God's word is perfect. And if he used the word take in this verse, there is something we are supposed to learn from it. The rabbis explain that God intentionally used the word take instead of give in order to teach us that when we give, we are actually receiving. It might look like we are contributing to something to God's purposes, but the reality is that when we give something to God, we are really taking something for ourselves. I'll explain with a situation that all the parents can probably relate to. When my kids were very small, they would sometimes ask me if they could help me with cooking or with cleaning. 
Now, of course, I did not need their help, and I knew that would probably make the chores actually much harder for me to have their help. But I always accepted their offers anyways, because I knew that they would get so much out of doing these things with me. They would learn new skills, develop their character, and feel good about their accomplishments. I let my kids help me because I understood how much it would benefit them. The truth is that letting my kids help when they were young paid off because now that they are older, they actually have the skills to really help in the house. But when it comes to God, he doesn't gain anything by letting us, his children, help out. In Psalm 24:1, scripture says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. There is nothing that we can give to God that he doesn't already have because everything is already his. But God allows us to help him anyways because he knows how much it will actually benefit us. In Hebrew, the word give is natan. And what's interesting about this word is that it's a palindrome. It can be read the same way backwards and forwards. This teaches us that no matter what end of giving you're on, you will benefit from the transaction. When giving happens, even the giver receives. Giving is one of the greatest things that we will ever do, and it's also one of the hardest things that we will ever do. So I want to talk about a few of the benefits that we receive when we give. Because the more we understand what we have to gain by giving away what we value most, the more likely we are to do it. So here are five of the greatest gifts that we receive by giving to others. The first one, and what should be the most obvious to anyone who reads the Bible, is more blessings from God. In the Talmud, a 1,500-year-old compilation of Jewish teachings, the rabbis taught that if a person wants to become very wealthy, he or she should tithe their earnings and give 10% to charity. They also taught that it is impossible for a person to become poor from giving charity. In Jewish law, giving 10% of our earnings to charity is actually a biblical requirement. But how could the rabbis claim that giving away our hard-earned money will cause us to have more of it instead of less? The answer is because God himself said it first. In Malachi, or Malachi 3.10, God says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. According to Jewish thought, in general, we aren't allowed to test God. We can't say, okay, God, I'm going to do this good deed, and in return, I expect to see a reward for it. God doesn't work that way. But there is one exception to this rule. When it comes to giving charity, God says, test me in this. He promises to reward us when we tithe our money, and he invites us to try it and to see for ourselves. Normally, if we give away some of what we have, we end up with less, not more. But this is God's world. And in God's reality, when we give away our money, we end up with more than we had in the first place. 
I once read about a prestigious man who was asked how he could give away so much money to charity and yet still be so wealthy. He answered, Oh, as I shovel it out, God shovels it in, and the Lord has a much bigger shovel. I just love that imagery. God certainly has the means to replace what we give him and even more. There are many places in the Bible where God promises to bless those who give generously. For example, in Proverbs 22.9, we read, A generous man will himself be blessed. And in Proverbs 11.25, we read, A generous person will prosper. When God sees that we use our money in the way that he wants us to, he blesses us with more of it. The second way that we gain when we give is that by giving to others, we become better people. We become kinder, more loving, and more connected to humanity. The rabbis taught that giving is a transformative act. It changes the person who does it. They explained that if a person has a choice between giving a lot of money all at once or a little bit of money consistently over time, like every day or once a month, it's actually better to give less money more often. Why? Because the more we give, the more we change for the better. I've seen how this works in my own family. I encourage my children to give charity every week. And over the years, our family has had the privilege of directly helping individuals in need over long periods of time. And I've seen how that experience has changed all of us for the better too. I want to tell you about one specific person that came into our lives many, many years ago. His name was David, and the first person in our family to meet him was actually my amazing husband, Amichai. Amichai met David on the streets of Jerusalem, where David was asking the people who passed by him for charity. Amichai was happy to give David some money, and he also struck up a conversation with him. To make a long story short, that was the beginning of a relationship where Amichai would frequently, almost weekly, go and check in on David and give him charity that we set aside for him. Amichai would not only give him the money, but he would take David out for a meal, and David would sit and share stories with Amichai about what it was like to live in Israel, in Jerusalem, even before the War of Independence and during the wars. He would share stories about legendary rabbis that David grew up with. Over time, we continued to help David, and he really became part of our family. Our children got to know David too, and they learned to respect him, just as we did, even though he was homeless and wore torn clothing most of the time. They truly enjoyed being around him, and they realized that he held wisdom and stories and history that even their parents didn't have. We envied him. We respected him. We truly enjoyed him. When David passed away, Amichai went right after to visit his grave. And even though we were the ones giving to him all those years, what we felt as a family was like we lost something so precious to us when he was gone. As Amichai sat at his grave and we all spoke about this, we realized very clearly, as we felt David watching over us in heaven, that as much as we gave to him, we received so much more in return. 
I know that we are all better people having known David or David in English, especially my children who learned priceless lessons about caring for strangers, respecting all human beings, not only as a concept, but as a reality. And from that young age, they also experienced the joy that comes from giving to others. Which brings me to the third thing that we gain by giving, joy. If you've ever had the blessing of giving a hungry person a warm meal or helping out someone financially when they needed it most, you know the kind of joy that I'm talking about. Few things in life are more fulfilling than being able to make a difference in someone else's life by helping them in their time of need. Do you know what I mean? But society feeds us a lie that the way to be happier is to have more stuff, to get more things for ourselves. But the truth is that we are far more likely to feel joy when we give to others. I once read a story about a man who wrote a letter to his rabbi because he was unhappy and needed guidance in getting his life on track. The letter read, I need your help. I wake up every day sad and anxious. I have difficulty concentrating. I find it hard to pray. I feel that life has lost its joy and meaning. I need help. The rabbi gave his reply without writing a single word. Instead, he took a red pen and circled the first word of every sentence. You know what the first word of every sentence was? I. The rabbi's message was that all of the man's problems came from one big problem, that he focused only on himself and his own problems. The solution was to make his life less about himself and more about other people, to focus less on his own problems and more about helping other people with their problems. Proverbs 11.25 teaches, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When we cheer up other people, we receive joy in return. The secret to a happy and fulfilling life is giving to others. The happiest people in the world are those who make other people happy. So far, we've talked about gaining material blessings, gaining an improved character, and receiving more joy as a result of giving. These are all tangible benefits that we can see and feel in our lives. But there are also rewards for giving that are less obvious and completely intangible, but they are no less valuable. Number four on my list of things we gain by giving is something that we definitely won't experience in our lifetime but it very well may be the most valuable reward that we receive. It's the spiritual reward that we receive in heaven. Anything that God could ever give us while we are living pales in comparison to what we can receive for eternity. The rabbis taught that more than the rich person does for the poor man, the poor man does for the rich man. According to this teaching, when someone gives charity to a poor person, the poor person does a greater favor for the one giving the charity than the giver does for the poor person. Did you get that? It's a little confusing, but it's the deepest truth. The person asking for charity 
is actually doing a favor to the person who's giving charity. Why? Because when we give money or food to the poor, it benefits them in this world. But what we gain from the opportunity to give the charity is a reward that will last for eternity. This reminds me of a story that made a huge impression on me. It's about a wealthy man who was asked by a visitor how much he was worth. But instead of telling him how much money he had in the bank or how much his investments were worth, he showed the man a box. Inside the box were the receipts from all of the charity he had given. He said, This is what I'm worth. Only what I have given away is what I will have forever. Forever is a very long time, and God's reward is far more valuable than anything we could ever buy in this world. If only we could keep this perspective all the time, we would never hesitate to give charity to anyone who asks. Instead, we would jump at the opportunity, even a few coins, and we would feel grateful for the chance to give. Every dollar we give away generates a future reward beyond our imagination. The final gift I want to talk about today is also something that isn't tangible, but is very valuable. The fifth thing that we receive when we give to others is the gift of divine protection. According to Jewish tradition, giving charity draws God's protection upon us. And while we may not realize it's there, God's protection can be the biggest blessing in our lives. Listen to this incredible story. A young Jewish man named Jacob and his fiancée Miriam were driving on a major highway in New York when a huge gust of wind started shaking their car back and forth. As Jacob tried to gain control of the car, an 18-wheeler was headed his way. It was going fast and it couldn't stop. The truck collided with the car. And as you might imagine, the accident was horrific. The last thing Jacob remembers hearing that day was the truck driver calling for help, saying that it looked like there was one fatality and one person in serious condition. Meanwhile, thousands of miles away, a friend of Jacob's was visiting the Western Wall in Jerusalem. A beggar approached him asking for charity, but the friend apologized and explained that he had left his money in his hotel room. But the beggar wouldn't leave him alone. He kept sticking his hand out and saying the same three words over and over again. Tzedakah tatzil mimavet, which means charity saves from death. The beggar asked him, please check your pockets to see if you have any money there. And to his surprise, he found a dollar in his coat pocket. It was actually a dollar that Jacob gave him before the trip to be given in Israel as charity. It's a custom to send a dollar or more with a person traveling from outside of Israel to Israel in order to ensure safe travels and to bless the people of Israel. Jacob's friend was relieved to give the beggar the dollar and for the beggar just to go away. Miraculously, both Jacob and his fiancée made full recoveries. 
Jacob's friend heard about the accident, and when he spoke to Jacob, he was shocked to find out that it was exactly when Jacob and Miriam were being wheeled into the ER, clinging to life, that the beggar at the Western Wall approached him practically screaming, Charity saves from death. Four months later, Jacob and Miriam were married and they tell everyone about the miracle that they experienced and how one small act of kindness, one dollar, can change lives and even save them. Proverbs 11.4 says, Righteousness delivers from death. The words in Hebrew are actually tzedakah tatzil mimavet, which literally means charity saves from death. This is the verse that the beggar at the Western Wall was quoting when he asked Jacob's friend for money and wouldn't take no for an answer. Jacob's charitable gift of just one dollar literally saved his life. In the Jewish tradition, there are three things that save a person from a terrible fate. The first is repentance, the second is prayer, and the third is giving charity. It's always encouraging to know that the charity we give might just save another person's life. But we also need to remember that the life we save by giving to others just might be our very own. Giving charity requires us to look beyond the surface, to see that what looks like giving up something is actually receiving many things in return. There is no better way to receive God's blessings than by being a source of blessings for other people. Deuteronomy 5.10 says, Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then, because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. God made it very clear in the Bible. When we give to others, we are blessed abundantly. This week, how will you make the most of your opportunities to give? Can you create a habit to set aside some charity every day, once a week, or even once a month? If someone asks for your help, can you look at it as a privilege instead of as a burden? Or better yet, can you actively seek out opportunities to give, to help people in your family, your community, or around the world? One of the hardest things for people to do is to give up something that they value, that they feel is theirs, especially something that they worked hard for. But when we understand that we have so much more to gain than we could ever lose, we can see giving to God for what it truly is, an opportunity to receive his blessings. Shavuot tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.